Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Coffee Cake and Kegels. So, <clears throat> just a forewarning, I may sound a little winded uh, while recording. My last episode was April 6th. I have not really been consistent with recording because on the last episode, Coping with COVID, where I, you know, talked about the mental and emotional impacts of this virus and quarantine. Uh, I also joke, jokingly said as I was coughing on the last episode that, you know, don't worry, I don't have COVID and I do have COVID-19. So I wanted to kind of piggyback off that last episode and, um, talk a little bit about this virus and, um, you know, physically how it's taken a toll on me and, um, mentally and emotionally. I'm going to have to backpedal though. Um, so March 21st, my husband came home and he was sick. He was at work. He was coughing. He really didn't feel good. Uh, for a few days prior to that, I would say like March, I don't know, 16th or 17th, he had started coughing and he just was kind of feeling run down and tired. Um, March 21st, he came home and decided that, you know, he was, he was going to basically, um, call the doctor. So he called the doctor and she basically told him via FaceTime visit, because, you know, during this pandemic, doctors are not seeing patients, which is making things even more difficult um, and more scary for people, <laughs> which more scary, I don't even, it's not even proper English, scarier, you know, but um, so she basically said, it sounds to me like you have an upper respiratory infection. There's really nothing you could do. She prescribed him an inhaler. And um, he had to basically ride it out with Tylenol. And um, he was really sick for about a week. Where he was basically like bed and couch ridden. Um, He did not isolate. Because he did not believe he had COVID-19. Because you listen to a doctor who tells you you have a respiratory infection. Um, So he stayed home for about two and a half weeks. And March 31st, so my podcast episode was April 6th, but I had began, I began running a low-grade fever, 99, March 31st. Now hear me out. Before I get my period, and I know mostly women listen to me, so I really, you know, I don't have to like watch what I say, but, and not like I give a shit anyway. I think everyone who listens to my episodes knows that by now, but um, I usually do run a low-grade fever, like my body temperature raises right before my period, so I was not thinking anything of it. Then, on top of the cough and the sneezing and the runny nose, I just really thought it's, you know my allergies. I do have really bad allergies. I have two cats and a dog. I'm allergic to them both. Um, I have really bad seasonal allergies. I just found this out last year. Um, I always knew I had seasonal allergies, but I didn't know to the extent. So I do have an inhaler 
for allergy season when it gets really bad. <clears throat> so I just really thought like, wow, allergy season's starting and it's, it's going to be a bad one. <coughs> um, Palm Sunday, I think it was like April, I think it was actually the night I recorded this. Um, I started to feel an ache in my back. So I started to feel an ache in my upper back. Now, before this, I had a really horrible bout of sciatica that I've never had before in my life. That literally put me out, like in bed, couldn't get up, couldn't move. I had to see a chiropractor. Um, I had to do all different exercises for a month to feel like I could function at a decent pace. So that had been my prior. Now comes this. And I feel this upper back pain. And I'm thinking like, maybe it's, I sleep wrong. You know, whatever. And then a few days into that back pain, I felt shortness of breath. And the coughing was dry. And I called my doctor, same doctor my husband has. We have the same physician for like, since our entire marriage. And... I called her and I basically told her the symptoms and she said to me, because of the back pain associated with the shortness of breath, it sounds like you have bronchitis, to which she prescribed me amoxicillin and um, she told me to continue using my pump. So the back pain didn't let up, it got worse and Easter Sunday night, I was completely short of breath. It started actually the Friday before. Um, I had to use my husband's CPAP machine. He used to he used to have sleep apnea, um, and he no longer does. But when he did have it, he had the CPAP. And thank God for that CPAP because I used it. I was breathing in the oxygen. Um, it helped me feel better. And. Uh, It was like rescuing me that night. But then by Easter Sunday, I had been texting with a nurse friend, my friend Erin, she's a nurse, and she has COVID, and she was basically talking about, um, you know, how she was having shortness of breath, and she's like, Stacey, you really should go to the ER. Now, where we live in Tom's River, um, New Jersey, the ERs, a few of the hospitals here really are not... They don't have that good of um, a reputation. Sorry, my cats are fighting. If you hear hissing in the background. So basically, ooh, you probably just heard that one. Um, basically, I drove myself. I didn't want to alarm the children. They were in bed and I didn't want like an, an ambulance coming here or anything like that. So I, um, I went to the ER and... Uh, I have to say the system was amazing in the ER. You go to a tent, they take your temperature, they get, you know, some of your symptoms, they give you a ticket, you go inside the hospital. I went to Jersey Shore Hospital, um, which I believe is Hackensack Meridian, and I was seen within three minutes by a nurse who triaged me. And then I had to wait another maybe three to five minutes and another nurse came and took me into the ER into a private room. Um, So that was 
you know, Easter Sunday, they did a chest x-ray. My lungs were clear, but no one could explain why I was having the back pain. So, uh, they basically told me that my oxygen was really good. So that was a good thing. And just to keep doing what I was doing. So here's what I was doing at home. I was sitting in a steam shower three times a day. I was doing deep lung breathing exercises um, that my Reiki master, the person who, you know, um, attuned me to Reiki, she had sent me a few different exercises to do to open up my lungs. Um, I had, I had been doing Reiki on myself and I know I have to do a whole podcast on Reiki, um, an episode on Reiki. So you guys understand what it is, but, um, I was doing self-healing. I was taking vitamin C, zinc, all my other usual vitamins along with it. I had stopped taking the elderberry because I had read conflicting reports that it could harm the lungs during this particular respiratory virus. Um, (coughs) excuse me. Um, so I was doing all these different things, um, using my inhaler, you know, anything to kind of, I was not laying on my back. (laughs) I was laying on my sides. If I was laying down, I did make the mistake when my husband went back to work, I made the mistake of running the household, cooking, cleaning, all while having a fever and not feeling well. So that kind of put me back a little bit. So I went to the ER. All right, so I called now, I call a telehealth doctor because it's late at night and my doctor obviously isn't in. And the telehealth doctor tells me, because I, I said, like, why can't I get a Z-Pack? Listen, before this pandemic, I never, anytime I went to the doctor and they prescribed a Z-Pack, I refused it. They're really bad for the heart. I already know that. Um, my family has, you know, heart conditions. I have mitral valve prolapse, um, which is a heart murmur. So like, I don't want to take, I don't want to take a Z-Pack. However, in this particular situation, knowing that it helps with the symptoms of COVID, it doesn't cure it, but it helps with the symptoms nobody would prescribe me a Z-Pack. And I was told they are um, in short supply, which kind of made me so agitated because before this, they would give everybody and their mother a Z-Pack for every freaking ailment under the sun. And it just goes to show you how political and how fucked up our medical system is that people who do have insurance, I have insurance, Okay, I can't even get a Z-Pack, but yet my friend Erin, who was a nurse in Staten Island, she could get a Z-Pack. Not, it has nothing to do with her being a nurse because she's not even a, a practicing nurse at the moment. But it's the point that some people are giving them out like candy and other people are being like, oh, no, no, sorry, they're rationed. If it's, if it's treating the virus, I don't understand why. It, I don't understand. If it's, if it's known to be treating the virus... Why can't you be giving it to people? Anyway, I found out also uh, from another friend who has health issues. Um, She, you know, she has seizures and things of that nature. She did tell me that her doctor said that amoxicillin has been treating it also. So 
I felt better about it knowing that I had the amoxicillin, even though it did absolutely nothing. Okay, so fast forward, four days go by. I've been feeling a little better. Um, I call the telehealth doctor. He tells me, because I told him I'm having, you know, shortness of breath still and everything, and it's alarming to me and the back pain. So he prescribed me prednisone. So now I'm taking prednisone, which is a steroid, and arbuterol, which is a steroid, on top of the amoxicillin and the vitamins and, you know, everything else I'm doing. Lo and behold, um, I wound up having a very bad reaction to both the prednisone and arbuterol. So it caused basically an anxiety attack. They both heighten anxiety um, and panic. So I already suffer from anxiety and my anxiety has already been through the roof due to this virus. Um, so the combination of the two medicines caused me to, I was awake for 24 hours and I said to my husband, I have to please take me to the ER. Like this isn't normal. I can't breathe. And now I couldn't breathe because of the medications. So, cause they caused the panic attack and a symptom of a panic attack is shortness of breath. <coughs> so went back to the ER, still had my fever of 99. Throughout all of this time though, my fever did spike up to the highest it went was 102, but mostly it was 99 the whole time, except for like two or three days where it went to 102 and 101. Um, so go back to the ER, they do a second chest x-ray. They say, your lungs are clear. But the doctor was much more thorough. He wanted to check me for a pulmonary embolism um, because back pain is associated with with PEs. So, you know, he gave me all these options and I decided because I don't have markers for it, um, the only marker was the back pain and it's not really even in the spot. Usually you get chest pain with PEs. according to the ER doctor, uh, he did offer me a different, you know, treatment options, well diagnosed, you know, options, whatever. And we decided that at this time, you know, I really do believe it's COVID. Um, he, the, both ER doctors I saw said, you know, your husband had it, you have it, you know, and we're just going to treat the symptoms. He recommended that I do not use the rescue inhaler while I'm on the prednisone and the prednisone will help the lungs with the inflammation. And he said, that's what's happening. You have inflammation of the lung lining. So that's the pain. And, uh, it takes a long time to go away. Anyway, come home, been managing my symptoms since then. Some days are better. Some days are not, uh, And that's really where I'm at. So my husband was tested for the virus. He was sick for the first seven days, then got tested. It took them 10 days to get the results, to which they called him and told him that he was negative. And then they called him, uh, that was Saturday, Sunday, three days later, to tell him that he first tested positive, but they believe it was a false positive. So they retested his swab. And it came up negative. 
Now, I told the ER doctors that, both of them, that I saw, and they were like, that's that's ridiculous. Um, they should never have tested the same swab twice. Um, they said he was absolutely positive because he had the symptoms associated. Uh, and now I have the symptoms. So, you know, whatever. Mike, my biggest concern really, honestly, was my children not getting it. And knock on wood, and I'm going to knock right now, actually. Um, so far, so good. Uh, my daughter did have a fever for two days, and her throat hurt. And my son had a really bad migraine. He felt his headache was terrible. So I'm just I'm diagnosing him myself with a migraine because he couldn't even like keep his eyes open. But other than that, <clears throat> we've been okay. Um, but I just want to talk a little bit about like what's going on and how this really affects you mentally and emotionally. So I was so scared. I'm still scared. I can't even lie. Um, it's such an unpredictable virus that you really don't know. You know, I'm like, I know I'm getting better. My body feels physically better. I know I'm getting better. I know I'm getting better. I know I'm getting better. But like, am I going to wake up tonight not being able to breathe? Is that a possibility? Because it's just so unpredictable. And even the ER doctor said that, like, we've never seen anything like this before. It's completely unpredictable. Things could change overnight. So now you're telling somebody with anxiety that, okay, so tomorrow you could be in full-blown pneumonia on a ventilator. Like, these are the things you think when you hear you have this virus. Um, And it's just debilitating, quite honestly. I really was not able to function. And aside from needing the rest... I was in a state of constant anxiety. I was riddled with it. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm better now coping with it, but it was really such a scary time. Going to the ER alone, I was okay. Driving there, I was fine. You know, I'm like, I got this. I could do this. And... Um, <clears throat> I was okay until I got there and then I saw the triage nurse who had a heart of gold and I started to cry and I was, you know, I said, I don't want to, I don't want to die. I can't leave my children there little. And, you know, she was like, oh my God, you know, you know, don't say that, you know, you know, hopefully you're going to be okay. Even hopefully you're going to be okay because so many people are dying and, I know there's so many conspiracy theories about it and everything, and don't get me wrong, I, you know, I have a friend of medical billing, and she basically told me that COVID is on, you know, everyone's saying people are dying from COVID. Granted, people are. Many people are dying from complications of COVID. However, <coughs> insurance companies pay out um, fully if a patient dies of COVID, um, and the patient is not responsible for any of the payment. So hospitals will be guaranteed their money. Unlike, let's say on a regular situation, not a pandemic. I went to the hospital, let's say for a heart attack and 
my family would then receive the bill. They could say, we're not paying it. And then the hospital would have to take legal action, etc. Um, with this pandemic, insurance companies are not doing that. They're paying out in full for the patient. So doctors and hospitals and nursing homes are all guaranteed payment. Um, now, you know, <clears throat> say what you will, whatever the case is. Is it wrong? Is it right? Uh, I, I'm not here to argue that. Um, make of it with you, you know, what you will. But um, it's scary. It's scary either way. It's scary going to a hospital alone. It's scary knowing that there's no one there to advocate for you. If God forbid you need to be advocated for. Um, it's just really, it was really emotional and mentally and physically taxing. And, um, you know, not that I would ever wish anything. I don't wish bad on people to begin with, but I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I just, you know, the fear associated with the illness that I'm sure makes the illness worse. Um, you know, it's just, it's just really, it's just, it's frightening. Um, I am grateful to be healing. It's going to be a long process. I called my doctor today. I let her know that I went to the ER for a second time. I had a second chest x-ray. I said, I still have the pain in my back. Um, the shortness of breath comes and goes, but that's with lung inflammation, hence the pain in the back. She's like, Stacy. I have seen patients who are still recovering after two months. She's like, I have one patient who is three months still recovering. She has patients who are still testing positive 35 days later. She's like, you have, it's a, she said it's a very severe respiratory infection and it's doing a number on the lungs. And she said, you know, try to sit with it. Be grateful. You, you're making it. You're recovering from it. And, you know, just be grateful for that. And I'm like, of course, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You know, I'm like, but I just wanted to touch base and let you know to update my, you know, my file or whatever, like what's been going on and, and everything. And she's like, you know, there's no more medicine we could prescribe you know, it's, it's a viral infection. She's like, it has to just work its course. And I'm like, okay, you know, and she told me that I'm out of like the danger woods and I should really just be now on the mend, which I do believe. And I feel, I feel better, but either way, like I said, it's still scary. It's still so taxing mentally, physically, emotionally on a person. I tried my best to isolate from my family when I had it. Uh, well, you know, when I was in like the, like the worst part of it. Um, I tried to really just stay in my bedroom for two weeks. Uh, and when my kids, you know, they, I told them they couldn't come near me. They could come to the door of the bedroom to ask me something or to tell me something, but I didn't want them in the bedroom. I really was just you know, so afraid and, uh, to give it to them and, and then know that I'm sick and I'm not well enough and I can't even go to the, you know, I won't, 
you know, I can't go to the hospital with them. Then my husband has to go. What if he recatches it? Like, just the, the things you think of. That the, if I die, what's going to happen? He has to work. We live in New Jersey. We're an hour. I mean, my sister lives here, but she, she works full time and everything. And, you know, I'm like, what do we do with our children? What's going to happen? Like, these are the things you think of. Like, oh my God, we don't have a will. Oh my God, like, what's going to happen? And, you know my husband doesn't have there's no life insurance for me there's life insurance for him just the things that go through your head it's completely and not really it's going to make me emotional I'm so sorry but it's I have no other word to say but extremely frightening so um I'm so sorry I'm getting so emotional about it but it's scary and uh I am grateful. I am thankful. And um, here are some tips I did learn. So if you know someone who has COVID or if you contract it, I hope you don't. Take vitamin C and zinc. Do not overdose on vitamin C. It will cause horrendous cramping, stomach pain, and diarrhea. It will also cause very bad heartburn. So if you have GERD or if you suffer from acid reflux, do not overdose on it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was told to take like 3,000 to 5,000 milligrams and I <laughs> did not fare well with that. Just an FYI. 1,000 milligrams a day is okay. That's what's recommended on the bottle. Take it. Zinc, 25 milligrams. I know I'm not a doctor. Of course, always ask your doctor first before taking anything. But 25 milligrams of zinc is the amount you're supposed to take. Don't overdose on it. <laughs> just, just an FYI. <coughs> um, I take vitamins all the time anyway. So I'm not going to give you like a list of all the vitamins I take. But... My dad always took vitamins growing up. He really, rarely, rarely gets sick. Um, I am a believer in vitamins uh, and things of that nature. Even with my back, like my back pain, I took a homeopathic nerve. Um, it's not really a medication, but whatever you want to call it. And it helped with the nerve pain and the sciatic nerve. So... I'm really big on things like that. I'd rather, if I have a headache, I'd rather take something homeopathic than taking Advil or Tylenol. So, um, of course, I took the Tylenol. I didn't take the Advil, which I know Advil would help with that lung inflammation so much better because it's an inflammatory and it's just a better pain reliever than Tylenol. But um, needless to say, they said stay away from it. So I take the Tylenol. Um which also does a number on your stomach. <laughs> so, um, but here's what I learned, things that can't hurt you. So pear juice, regular, straight up pear juice, um, supermarket, you know, wherever you get it. Pear juice coats the lungs. Pineapple juice is an expectorant. And if you don't know what that is, that means it brings up mucus. <clears throat> which is really weird because you know how we, even though we're always told to listen to our bodies, we don't. Funny thing, when I first started to get that back pain, 
we, uh, my husband went food shopping and he got two pineapples. Okay. So I said to him, why'd you get pineapple? It's not even season. It's not the season for it. He's like, oh, they were on sale. And I said, yeah, because it's not the season and they're going to be horrible inside. Needless to say, I'm sitting there one day and I'm like, I'm craving freaking pineapple, craving it. So I cut them open and I basically ate two pineapples. Uh, My kids had some, but I basically, I was craving it so much that I literally just wanted pineapple and I, the juice that would collect at the bottom of the bowl, I would drink it. It's really weird. So when I spoke to my Reiki master, who is a gifted human being, I mean, with all different types of healing modalities and she's a reverend. I mean, she's just a very spiritual, one of the best human beings I've ever met in my entire life. She told me pear juice coats the lungs and pineapple is an expectorant. So when she told me that, I said to her, oh my God, I've been craving pineapple juice, pineapple. And she said, you see, your body knows what it needs. My body also instinctively knew not to lay on my back. Now, I hadn't read that yet. I hadn't known that, but I didn't lay on my back. I laid on my sides. Something told me not to lay on my back. And um, I really do believe that helped me. So just little, you know, like little tips, whatever. If if you do catch it, um, you know, just little hints here and there. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, speak to your doctor before you do anything. Um or, you know, any kind of medical professional, speak to them first. But these are just little things that I did along the way, aside from the steam showers. So I did that three times a day. My water bill's going to be through the roof Um, because obviously I didn't sit in the shower with the steam because it was so hot. I let the steam come in to fill the bathroom, and I sat in the bathroom for 10 minutes three times a day. Uh... And I'm still doing it, but now I do it like once a day. Um, I just sat with a pot of boiling water with a towel over my head, old school. But I just did that before I actually started recording this episode. I'm still, still doing these things. It's been a month and I'm still, well, not really. If by the time I felt these, you know, the back pain and everything, it's been three weeks. But from that time, I've been doing this. I'm exhausted. It's freaking exhausting every day, like saying, oh, shoot, got to do those breathing exercises. Oh, got to sit in that steam shower. Whoa, forgot to take that vitamin C and zinc. It's just exhausting. So, and I know it's really not, it's like, Stacey, really? It's exhausting? Come on. But you know what? Having to remember to take care of yourself is what we always forget, especially women, right? So for me... To have, even like before this, <laughs> to have to have, be- like I had a baby my body because of the sciatica and then now this, <coughs> I just want to feel normal again and uh, I know I'll get there. I'm not, you know, sitting, sitting with my anxiety uh, so much anymore. Every time it comes up, I'm like, you're getting better. Stop. Um... And I just wanted to touch base with you guys on that particular, you know, topic um, to just let you know 
It doesn't have to be a death sentence, <laughs> like we all think it is. It doesn't have to be. We can really take care of ourselves and nurture ourselves. We will eventually get better. It takes a lot of time, as you heard from my story. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, the whole, the whole time I was sick, I'm like, I have to do an episode. I have to do an episode but I really couldn't bring myself to do it. I'm sorry. Um, and I, and you obviously, you know, the reasons why, but also during this pandemic, I really want to record the whole, you know, online dating episode, but I got to be honest with you. I don't feel, I don't feel it's appropriate at this time to jump on and talk about something so funny and lighthearted. I just, I know it's what we need. You know, I know it's what we need, but I also don't know if I can bring myself to do that. Um, I am, I am a healer and that's what my Reiki master said to me. You know, she's like, you have to get better because we need you. Um, and I'm not tooting my own horn or anything like that. Uh, but I, I am, I am lucky and honored to be gifted in that regard. Um, and, uh, I just feel, you know, I'm very empathetic and I feel so many emotions right now. And I feel the weight of the, I can't explain it, but the weight of the sorrow and the fear that other people are going through, that it's really hard for me to be so, you know, lighthearted and almost to like, I'm getting emotional again. Sorry guys. Um, but almost to just put, you know, everything that's going on in the world on the back burner and just be like, okay, so online dating, (laughs) have funny stories, you know? Um, and that's just really where I'm at. So, you know, please be patient with me. Um, I know I've been like off you know, off in my own world, um, here, but I promise I have more episodes coming and I'm not, you know, I'm not giving up the, the, this podcast. I just feel from the feedback I've gotten, it's been helpful to a lot of people, um, you know, helping them cope with certain things or to feel, like they're not abnormal (laughs) or, you know, things of that nature. So, um, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, always feel free to reach out. Um, I'm here, I'm here for you. This is a really tough time. And, um, I know now fears are mounting even more with the economy opening. Um, and that too, I, I know we shouldn't open yet, but I also have family members who are, they're all in the hair business and, you know, my dad's a barber. He has no income. I mean, yes, he gets social security, but it's minimal. And I honestly, you know, they're living on a minimal amount of money a month. My mom and dad, my sister is getting nothing at all. Um, my niece just went to open a salon right before the pandemic hit and she could not open. She's paying rents on a business. She hasn't even opened yet. 
granted she still has, you know, she, she doesn't still have clients, but you know, she was doing clients out of her house until, you know, until the business opened. So she had money to pay the rents and everything, but, um, you know, she's getting nothing. And I know there are so many other people in this position. My husband and I, I think I've mentioned this, we owned a gym in the past and I still have connect, you know, I still connect with people who also owned in the same franchise and they're not getting any kind of relief and they're paying rent, you know, on much bigger spaces, you know, um, I do feel for these people. I'm sorry. They have children, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not having income come in. They're going to lose their business and it's, you know, really easy for people who have, you know, union jobs and my husband does, and I'm grateful for that. But it's easy for people that have secure jobs to say, don't open the economy. But when you have people who cannot put food on their tables, you know, it's really difficult. And we really just need to be kind right now because those people who want to open the economy, you don't think they know there's a risk for themselves to get sick or to bring it home to a loved one. Like in my situation, my husband got sick in two weeks. He felt better. Look at me. I'm going on a month. You know, granted, he is still coughing and he had pain in his back also that only just recently went away. But my point is, is that the, vi- the virus is, you know, for some people, it's worse with their immune systems and especially people who have un- other underlying issues like I do with my bit. I have bad allergies. It affects my lung function. So you know, it hit me harder, a little bit harder than it hit him or whatever the case. But we have to really just be kind and really consider what's happening inside our homes. You know, Um, some people have beautiful yards they could sit in and some of us don't. I am fortunate to have that too. You know, I didn't in Staten Island, (laughs) but I have that here in New Jersey. Um, Some people have balconies they could sit on. Some people don't. We really have to be kind to people right now. It's a really, really tough time. People are killing themselves every day. Every day. Someone is throwing themselves in front of a train, off a bridge, or shooting themselves in their homes. So we really need to be kind. And um, that's the message I'm going to leave you with. Try to be kind before we pass judgment on people's opinions listen you know I I can't believe what I'm seeing on social media people are saying these morons want to open the economy you know yeah I get it the protesters and everything you know that's you know the protesters I'm not gonna sit here and call them idiots or morons because at the end of the day and I've said this many many times fear makes us react so they're afraid (laughs) they're scared and uh i'm not going to judge them for that i'm going to send them love and healing because that's what they need and you know i just i can't believe what we're seeing and what people are calling each other and 
you know, the responses, how people can't even have a conversation. They can't even have a discussion. I had an, I had an, you know, an interaction with somebody on social media where I just basically said people are killing themselves. People can't eat, you know, they can't put food on their tables for their, they can't feed their families, you know, so we have to kind of really sit back and think about all these things. And I was basically met with the person didn't listen to a word I said, (laughs) the person just reacted and for, you know, you know, in defense of not opening the economy. I didn't say to open the economy. I said we have to still worry and take into consideration the people who are not getting any kind of financial relief and the people who are suffering from mental illness right now, you know? Um, So listen before you react, you know, and uh, be kind. So thank you for listening and um, I will be back soon, guys. I'm on the mend, so I will be uh, back in action and um, I hope you are all well. Stay safe. I pray for you all. Every night I fall asleep praying. (laughs) I have a list that's so long, so wish you well. Take care.